last week, if you didn't get a chance to join us, first off, I encourage you to go back and look. We, we have that available on, on YouTube or Facebook. You can catch it. Um, but we started a new series called Recenter. And, and this series is uh, meant to carry us through this entire month. And um, I know oftentimes as the new year starts, as we talked about um, last week, we, we start new things, right? And, and we endeavor to set goals, um, right? Those resolutions of change. And um, the, the truth is the matter is most of us fail miserably. And we get a few weeks down the road and uh, we stop. Um, I've never been a gym person until like this last year. So this is the first time that I'd already been a gym person and the new year rolled around. I was amazed about how many new people were in, in there this past week. And um, it's funny because I know this, um, I did that one time and I won't see you guys in a few months, right? And you'll be gone. Um, but we do that with all sorts of things. And so I wanted to do something different when we started this. And it wasn't to add something new, but to go back to that, that first love, that first excitement, because there was a moment in our lives, most likely um, for all of us, where where we were at our wits end, that, that we had come to the end of our rope, that we didn't know what to do. And in that moment, we're like, I guess I'll give it to God, right? And we were awakened to truth and we were awakened to a new way to live our lives. And, and in that, amazing things happened, right? But this is what I know to be true too, because if, if you're like me, and I have a feeling you are, um, you, like me, drift, and you stop doing the things that you were doing and the excitement wears off and the difficulty of it all becomes present and you get six weeks, six months, six years down the road and you're not where you were at before. And so what I wanna talk about is coming back to that. And so last week we talked about that pursuit of God's character and how important it is to, to seek him. And, and I likened it to um, marriage, right, um, with my wife, and I bagged on her relentlessly, um, and she's still mad at me. And no, it's, uh, But um, when we, we come in those relationships, right, and if you've ever been married or you're married now, you know there's an excitement, and eventually the new wears off, and you're like, what did I get myself into? Um, just me? Or you guys are too... Too uncomfortable to laugh, right, because your spouse is here. Just tell them earmuffs, right, and, and then chuckle a little bit. It's okay. You guys lighten up. Um, but that happens, right, and, and we do that. But it's important to continue to seek God's character. This ongoing thing, I have to do that with my wife, and hopefully you do that with your spouse as well, um, that you're always trying to discover new things and, and seek them and know them to more in intimately and grow with them. And so we talked about getting back to that as we get off base, and it's so important. And so we're going to continue that tonight. And tonight's message is titled this, Pursuing His Presence. Pursuing His Presence. And, and I want to share a verse with you. It's Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And I shared this last week. And it says this, you can enter the kingdom, God's kingdom, only through a narrow gate. Say narrow gate. Narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And it's real easy to think that that's just talking about salvation in general. And you're like, well, I raised my hand. I found the narrow gate. I'm good, right? I've got insurance and everything's going to be great. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that, that even those of us that think we found the path sometimes are on the, the, the broad road, right? And, and, and there's a saying, it says this, the highway to hell is paved with good intentions and we may be well-intentioned and well-meaning in the things we're doing, but the truth of the matter is we've gotten off course, right? And we need to bring it back. 
We need to get back on course and, and, and endeavor to follow him. And, and it's difficult. It's a difficult journey, and it, and it likens us to a narrow gate. Right? It's the path that, that we're intended and called to follow should look different. It's hard. And that's the thing that causes us to drift, right? I don't know about you, but there was a time that, there was a time that, that I just thought that this was, this, it would be so easy, right? And I remember like, I, I'm going to be a Christian. And it, it took me years and years in the church to, to really cement because I, I found out that it's, there's actually a lot to it. And, and so, um, you know, and, and eventually I, I, I endeavored to really dig in and submit. And you know what I found out? That, that I thought that, that I was good then. And, and I'm convinced today that I was on that broad road. And then there was a time where I, I believe I found it. And, and there may be times I step off of it. But I know that when I began to, to really focus my life and, and surrender to him, God began to deal with things in my life in a supernatural way. way. You know, addiction and anger and, and lust and, and all of these things began to fall off as, as I focused my direction and, and pursued him. And so we're going to talk about pursuing his presence. You know, you wouldn't take off to a destination without following exact directions, being intentional about the route that you take, right? We don't travel that way. Why do we pursue Christ that way? And again, the, the road to hell, it's paved with good intentions, and so we have to find the narrow gate. And in order to travel the narrow road, we must have a narrow focus. Our good intentions or our noble pursuits will not earn us a seat at the table or bring us into the kingdom of God. Outside of Christ, there are no righteous people. Now, outside of the things of God and, and the work of Jesus and the cross, there's none of us that, that are good enough that, that will make it. it. It requires that intimate relationship with the Father that only comes through Jesus. Because of that, we must endeavor to know him and follow him. We will not accidentally make him Lord. We will not accidentally have a relationship that saves. We must pursue his presence and make sure he is first in every area of our lives. We gotta make him a priority. We have to. The, the stakes are high. Um, my friend, um, Shannon, he, he handed me an obituary this morning. And um, that, that really rocked me because this was a guy that um, a few months ago he introduced me to. And um, this guy wasn't ready. And I have no doubt that, that Shannon had the conversations with him. And, and I know I encouraged him towards the things of God. But um, the truth of the matter is he, he just, he thought he would be good and everything would be good enough. And I know this isn't everyone's story, but for many of us, this is life and death. And for him, it was. And, and unfortunately, his story didn't end well. And it ended in overdose. And he aspirated um, alone um, and was found later on. Um, and and that's, that's the stakes for, for some of us in here. For me, that, that's, that's the stakes here. Right? I either pursue him and I'm intentional and it can't just be about um, heaven at the end of it that if I don't live this now in every way, I will not survive. I will not see old age. And I know that. And for some of you, because the stakes aren't so great, you've convinced yourselves that you can be indifferent to the things of God. And maybe it's just you lose a little money at the casino or, or move around um, behind your spouse's back a little bit, things like that, right? But, but we've got to realize that the stakes are equally great for all of us. Whether the, the now problems are as great as we think they are or not, it, that's, it, it's, it's everything. It has to be everything. It has to be everything. And we've got to make him a priority. 
Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says this. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? Uh, what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. And the thing is that, that we put so much stake in the things outside these walls, in the things outside of the kingdom. And we're indifferent to the things of God because we've got to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, right? We've got to go to all the ball games and do all the things. And, and we, we put this on the back burner. And before we know it, we've drifted so far away from our first love that we couldn't recenter on it if we tried. And the stakes are great. And we've got to be intentional about our pursuit. We can't be indifferent. We can't fall back. We've got to continue to charge forward and take ground. I love what Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden, hidden with Christ in God. That's the type of attitude we should have, especially those of us that struggle in addiction, especially those of us who have these sins that, that burn our lives down in a very public fashion. But it's true for all of us. We've got to set our sights on the reality of heaven and treat this life the way God intended it as if we're dead to it. We're called to live in the world, but not be of the world, right? To be of, things, of the things of God, to set our sights on things of heaven and pursue him intentionally. Pursue his presence intentionally. Tonight, I want us to look at three ways that we seek the presence of God. Now, this isn't exhaustive, right? It's not the only three ways, but it's three ways that you should put a lot of stock in. A lot of effort and a lot of time as you seek him. And so if you would, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke. If you don't have your Bible, you got a phone, you can go on the YouVersion Bible app. We take time every week. We put all of the notes on there. You can go to the events tab. You can follow along with us. Passages that we don't put up on the screen are also located on that app as well. But we're going to be in Luke um, chapter 11, verse 5 is where we're going to start. That's in your New Testament. It's part of the Gospels, right? you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke was written by um, a Gentile physician. It was written to Theopolis to help him to kind of understand the good news and the message of Christ. But Luke 11, uh, verse 5, it says, then teaching them more about prayer. And this is Jesus, right? And he's teaching them about prayer. He used this story. It's a parable, right? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he said he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. If you're in Oklahoma, you probably get shot. But he says this, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. You guys ever had friends for like, right, just leave me alone, man. I'm in, I'm in my stuff. Or I'm, I'm concerned about me. Even though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Because of your shameless, and I, I love that. And, and, and it's talking about dealing with people there. But remember, this is a parable about prayer. And he says this, and so, and so I tell you, he's saying, keeping this in mind, 
Keeping in mind that even wicked people, even people that may be indifferent to your needs, keeping in mind that even if you pursue them long enough, eventually they will relent. And so, and so keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, I'm not saying that the God's some type of mystical genie, and, and, you know, as long as you keep praying for that Ferrari, right, or, you know, that new truck, man, that F-150, that God's going to give it to you. No, as you keep pursuing and you're persistent in your pursuit of prayer, God will give you what you need, right? He'll, he'll awaken you to his plan and his purpose and his will. He's going to come to the door. He's going to come to the door and he's going to answer your prayer. You may not like the way he answers it, but he's going to answer it, right? And he says this again, everyone who seeks finds, everyone who knocks the door will be open. And point number one is this, we seek his presence through prayer. This is how we seek his presence. We've got to go and make an effort to talk to him, to ask him. See, Lord, lead me. God, I don't know. I don't even know what to pray for. I mean, sometimes that's where you got to start. God, I don't even know what this is about. I don't know what to do, but you ask, you seek, you knock, and he, and he answers, and he comes to you, and he says, Aaron, man, you're stupid, but let me, let me, let me spell it out for you with crown, right? And maybe you're better than me. I don't know, but that's, sometimes that's what I need, and God leads us, right? But we seek his presence first, and we seek it through prayer. We seek it through prayer, and if you really want him to respond, there's this book. Um, it was written a long time ago. There's a lot of different authors and stuff like that. And as you read it, it's, uh, it, 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 God uses it to communicate back with you. And it's called our Bible, you know, that thing that collects dust on your coffee table. If you get it out and read it and plant its truth in your heart, you'll go to God in prayer and he'll bring to your remembrance his word and his truth, and he talks back to you and he'll reveal the things to you. I love this. It says this, when we pray, we talk to God. When we read the Bible, God talks to us, right? And so we seek his presence through prayer. We go and open up our Bible. I love to pray with my Bible and read and pray. It is like it's conversation. That's what prayer is. I don't know if you knew that, but God, you're meant to receive something from him, not just nag him forever and ever and ever. And and he doesn't do anything bad, but we seek his presence and we communicate with him. And when pursuing after God, when pursuing after God, we need both, right? To talk to God and to listen to God speak to us back. And it's a beautiful thing to be in the presence of God. And I remember a time where probably like many of you, I thought this was all a crock. And I, was, I wasn't on the fence, I was off of the fence. And I, wouldn't, I didn't buy in, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you're not one of the ones that need to recenter, but you've never found the road, lean in, give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Seek God, seek his truth, but, but we seek his presence through prayer. We seek his presence through prayer. Um, I want you to do this as we look at point number two. Turn to James, James chapter four. We're gonna be in verse four. Um, James was the half-brother of Jesus, um, and he, he wrote this. He said, you adulterers, Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourselves an enemy with God. That's harsh because I know that friendship with the world looks real nice. And like you, 
um, I struggle with that, right? I, I like shiny new things. I've got a severe Amazon problem all the time. Um, Two-day prime is straight from hell, uh, I'm telling you. And, you know, those things are hard. And, and my wife's always having to tell me, we should spend less. You know, we don't make a lot of money and we have six kids. And I'm like, I know, but I'm always going to, she'll tell you, there's always like the next thing, the next thing. I'm like, we should get this. It can be completely off the wall, um, just, just whatever. And, um, and so I get the, the allure and the pursuit of it. I, I like stuff. And, and I like I like culture that's, that's out there. It's, it's appealing. You know what? Sin's appealing to all of us. That's why we seek after it, right? If it was horrible, if it was like touching a hot stove all the time, we wouldn't want anything to do with it. Nobody has to tell me not to touch the stove anymore. I did that once and it hurt, right? But the world, there's an appeal. And that's why we've got to lean into God's truth and his presence to be reminded of this, that, hey, if you, if you want to shack up with that, you'll get everything, Right? And we got to be reminded of that. But he says, again, you adulterers, right? Those of us that turn our back on God, we cheat on him. When we experience his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his goodness, and then go back out and whore ourselves to the world, right? And he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? And maybe that's where you're at. You're like, hey, listen, here, I don't know, but it's, it's bull. It's baloney. I'm telling you, it's not. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. It's life-transforming. But do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Say the humble. humble. The humble, right? And, and, and that's... That's the point, right? Humility. Humility, where we have to, to think less about ourselves and more about God. And this is the hard part. He continues. He says, so humble yourselves. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I, I don't know if you know this, but there is, in fact, um, an enemy that works behind the scenes to trip us up. And, and, and outside of that, there's our brokenness and our flesh that, that lust after the things that are not from God. But he says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee for you. And I love this. Don't miss this. Come close to God and God will come close to you. There was a time that I didn't think that God was legit, right? But you know what the problem was? I wasn't anywhere near the things of God. I was lost out there, not listening, not pursuing, not believing, not trying, and then belly aching that there's no God. Come close to God. He'll come close to you. Greatest decision I ever made was to step inside of a church and see what it was about. Greatest decision I made outside of that was to surrender everything to him. I didn't give it to him. And I found out that the more I seek him, the more I find him. The more I seek him, the more I find him. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. But it requires that we humble ourselves. Recognize you don't know better you don't know best. You're not the ultimate authority. And if you are, that's the problem. 
That was my problem. To be honest, I thought I knew better than everybody. Thought I <laughs> knew better than God if there was one. Nobody could live their life better than I could live it. And the only thing that was leading me to was death, destruction, depression, robbing me of everything. But the moment I started to humble myself, the kind of transformation that God did in me made me unrecognizable. Anyone you talk to about my life 10 years ago, they don't know this guy. It's like, who the heck are you? Weirdo? Like, what's going on here? I mean, it's, right? And it's that transformation, but it required humility. And point number two is this. We seek his presence through humility. We have to place ourselves beneath his authority. Surrender to him. Give it to him. We seek his presence through humility. We seek his presence through humility. Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord of all. Anything you hold on to, anything you refuse to let go of, anytime you want to cherry pick, you're saying to God, I know better than you. I like this part, Lord, where you save me and you give me grace. But, you know, this part about sexual sin, I'm just not really into that. Who's, who's Lord? You or him? Because he's Lord of all or he's not Lord of all at all, right? You've got you've to seek his presence. And we seek it through humility. James continues in, in verse 9. He says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Right? Sorrow, godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow that makes us run in guilt and shame back to what we were doing, but this recognition, this grieving in our heart. I grieve for my indifference. I grieve for the way that, that I talked about the church, that I, the way I talked about Christians, for my arrogance. I grieve for it. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. And I love this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, when, as I gave everything to him, as I sought his presence, I wasn't like a whipped dog, you know, beat and whimpered. No, he lifted me up and gave me new life. I mean, it's, it's a special thing. And I don't know about you, but I was at that place where I thought, I ain't going to there, man. Church just makes me feel bad. I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna live the way I wanna live. That feels good. Feels better this way. He will lift you up in honor as you humble yourself before him. You're in James. I want you to turn back to Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. As we look at point number three, and begin to close. Again, this is one of our gospels, um, and, and it's written by Matthew, one of Jesus's, um, inner, his, one of his 12, right? Um, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That's, that's the choice, right? Lord of all or not Lord at all. And, it, and I don't know where you're at. I, 
I know that, again, I sat out there and I, I heard these things before. And I, I spent years, years longer out there. And, and maybe you've got more in you. Maybe you can run a little longer. But you don't know when you're going to hit the end of the road. You don't know when you've gone too far out, where you don't get to come back. You don't get a second chance. And, and Jesus says, listen, if you want to follow me, there's, there's a choice. Are you going to lust after the world? Are you going to keep thinking you know better all the time? Or are you ready to do something different? And if you are, you've got to take up your cross. And I've said this a lot, and I'm going to say it again, you know, the, the cross is, is lost. It's lost its meaning on us, right? It, it's something we hang on our walls as decorations, put on our rearview mirrors, tattoo on our bodies, and things like that. And that's not at all what it represented to the people when this was written. It was an instrument of torture and execution. Things that went on the cross died there. They didn't get back off. There was nothing warm and welcoming about that picture and that image. And Jesus said, man, if you want to be my follower, you take up your cross. You, you die to yourself. It's no longer your way. It's no longer your will. You, you're going to leave that behind, right? And when we go back to Colossians that we read in the beginning, he says, you've been raised to new life. Set your sights on reality of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of, of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died, right? That's what he's talking about. That's what Paul's talking about is this, take, take up your cross. If, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're gonna be a Jesus follower, if you're gonna be bought into this, you've gotta let it die on the cross and be raised to new life. And be raised to new life. He says, do you wanna be my follower? You must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. And point number three is this, we seek his presence through surrender. We seek his presence through surrender. If you're unwilling to surrender, you're not gonna find the fullness of God in your life. You're just not. And you're going to continue to white knuckle through life. I know you've been there. I've been there. Trying not to get high, trying not to get messed up, trying not to, to lust or to do any of those things right and just holding on, God, I'm going to make it to the end. And then surrender, you have to relax a little bit, man, because God begins to help us carry that burden and begins to work in us. And we seek his presence through surrender. It's when we finally let go of all of this that we truly find all of him. We seek his presence through surrender. It says this in verse 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That goes back to the stakes. You're at the table you're playing the game. The stakes are high. Do you know what they are? Have you asked yourself? You're going to be all in one way or the other. Are you willing to risk it all for something that's a, a mist, a vapor, 
when compared to eternity? We seek his presence through surrender. I want you to do this. I want you to, to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. And, and I want you to begin to seek him in this moment and, and ask God, Lord, reveal to me where I'm at. I love, I believe it's the end of Psalms 139. It says, search my heart, O God. Point out anything in me that offends you. And begin to ask God, Lord, am, am I all in? Father, make it plain to me. Am I on the broad road, the highway? Lord, or am I heading to the narrow gate? Father, am I on a path that, that leads to your kingdom? Lord, am I trapped in the world? Just begin to pray, begin to seek, begin to ask him to reveal to you where you're at tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every individual that's here tonight. God, and I thank you. God, I thank you for your presence. And I ask, Lord, that you would just begin to, to tap, God, or if they're like me, beat them over the head. Help them to see where they're at. Help us, God, to have a longing and a desire that burns within us, not for the things of this world, but for the things of you, God. Help us to hunger and to thirst for them, to seek after them. And Father, I pray, God, I pray for those that are on the fence tonight, Lord, those that are hearing for the first time or been running for a long time. I pray that you would just break through their hardened heart. Soften them, mold them, shape them, speak to them, Father. Help them to come to a place of surrender tonight as they find themselves in your presence, Lord. And we thank you for all of this, God. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So what's the application, right? James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to the God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, right? We can't just be hearers of the word, but we gotta be doers of the word. So we've got a couple action steps for you tonight. One, spend time in earnest prayer and study. Remember that God often responds to his word. I've never audibly heard the Lord speak to me, but he often speaks to me through scriptures, through verses, through, through parables, things of remembrance. Read your word. If you, if you feel like God never speaks to you, I'm telling you, pick up your Bible. He'll start talking. Number two, humble yourself before God. Recognize him as Lord of all. Recognize him as Lord of all. You know, we give up, especially those of us that struggle in addiction. And I know that's not everybody's story here. It could be any number of things, but especially those that struggle in addiction, right? We we make it Lord, whatever that may be. Make him Lord. Number three, surrender to his plan and purpose, allowing him to lead you forward. You gotta make him Lord of all. Surrender to what he has for you. And so if, 
if you haven't noticed by now, um, we put Jesus at the center of everything here. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never committed to follow him, you've, you've never recognized Jesus as God in a body, Lord of all. You've never recognized his sacrifice that, that paid for our sins and you've never committed to follow him. Tonight, I wanna to give you the opportunity to do that. Here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you as they lead you to Jesus tonight. And if you're uncomfortable with that, find me after service. I'll pray with you. I would love to, to journey with you. And if you're in here and you've done that, but you've gotten off track and you wanna know, can I recommit, right? It's like, Aaron, like, not only did I leave the, the road, man, I burned it down. And can I, can I try again? Absolutely, absolutely. If you need to recommit, we would love to pray with you and for you. Our offer, same offer stands. We're gonna have some people down here at the front for you. And if you're in here and, and maybe there's just something that, you've been holding on to. It's not of God and you know that. You've known it for a long time and you're ready to give that up. Well, I want to encourage you as we start this next song to step out of your seat, to come down front and pick up one of these white chips. There's nothing special about it. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we act in faith, knowing that God's going to move as we move. If you need to come pick up one of these chips, I encourage you to do that. And lastly, maybe you just need prayer tonight. If that's you, we would love to pray with you and for you. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat tonight. Don't be shy. Don't be indifferent. Step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.